0: our viewers. Good morning to our uh, listeners. Uh, I am so excited to welcome you to Coffee Time with Marie Teresio CPA. Uh, for those of you who are returning to see us, thank you so much for coming back. I hope you're getting so much value and that's what's bringing you here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, we love having you here as well. And make sure to put a, a, a thumbs up or a hands up up in the chat so we know you are new. Um, I want to encourage everyone to make sure to subscribe to the channel or the page you are watching us at or listening to us. Uh, we are going live uh, on, on on video, basically, uh, live streaming on Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, let's see, YouTube. <laughs> and we are also on different uh, nine different podcasts, so make sure to check out Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, if you want to listen to us on the go. Um, I am your host, Marie Tarosian. I'm a certified public accountant and a chartered global management accountant, an experienced auditor and a CFO. Um, I am. Uh, I have the creator of the valuation M T methodology, which I am using specifically to help my clients go from their first million to ten million and more. I've also uh, authored a couple of books. One of them is an ebook, the uh, the uh, the business owner's guide to operational accounting, and I'm going to put the, the link in the chat ending on the banner. You'll see it going through. And the other one is the complete guide to business growth. And that is available on Kindle. And I'll put the link on that as well. I have some big news that I wanted to bring to you today. I am officially a Grand Cardone licensee. So I will be bringing even more value to my clients uh, with uh, coaching and sales and marketing. I am super excited. So if you want to find out more, I'm going to put a link on that as well. uh, And let's start chatting about this. So as you all know, my, my 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 weekly guest is my friend and uh, tax colleague Pedro Gonzalez. He's a business and tax strategist. I'm going to bring him in on board right now. Good morning, Pedro. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Good morning.
0: Um, and then today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a super special guest. We have with us uh, David Chair, Area Branch Manager for Movement Mortgage. And I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I do not mess up anything. Uh, David is a professional uh, with more than 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry. He implements a consultative approach with all of his clients. Uh, He takes the time to ask questions and learn about their credit and financial status, as well as their future financial plans. His background, this is so cool, his background is in accounting and finance, which gives him a greater understanding of his client's financial objectives and goals. Uh, This perspective provides a real value to his uh, clients. And with that, uh david i want to bring you on board welcome David. good morning good morning how are you good are how are you? Good to have you
2: thanks for having me here marie and thank you pedro i'm so excited super excited thank you good morning good morning, <laughs> good
0: morning. you are our first special guest we are really wow. exactly. i, don't know if I feel to uh, i here. feel honored
2: i feel honored <laughs> thank you so much thank you
0: so I um, um, I wanted to briefly, and I want to make make the most extended amount of time of here to make sure that we capture all the information you want to give us to our to our viewers and our listeners. Um, but before that, I want to just do a quick reference to what we've covered in the past. Pedro and I have talked about self employment. Uh, we've talked about taxes. We've talked about partnership agreements. We've talked about. Uh, gig work. We've talked about hustling. We've talked about mindset. We've talked about so many interesting, cool things to help our entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. And uh, so we, I really want to uh, advise everyone that's watching and listening to please go back and check the replays uh, to make sure you get the most out of all the information we're putting out there for you. And of course, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share everything that you're learning. And with that, today, we have David here because we wanted to talk about Mortgages for self-employed individuals. This is a very serious thing because it se- it seems to have such, you know, most self-employed people have such difficulty getting mortgages, right? So David, we are so happy to have you as our expert to speak about this. So I will open the floor for you, kind of like jump in. Sure. Where do we start? Where does a self-employed individual start?
2: Okay. Thank you so much. Again, thanks for having me here, Marie and Pedro. Like Marie said, I work for a company called Movement Mortgage. Uh, everything I'm about to say is um, obviously my views and not necessarily the company's. And um, I'm required to say my license number because we're very highly compliant. It's NL- NMLS 367620. So having said that, let's get to the good stuff. Um, self-employed individuals is a very um, it could be a very anxiety producing topic. I myself have been an entrepreneur. Uh, I've been in that same situation where, you know, obviously the goal is to work as hard as you can earn as much as you want or, or can earn but at the same time you know you want to minimize your taxes that's why we're all here i mean it's to, to to basically pay our fair share but at the same time we don't want to pay more than our fair share so we want to minimize taxes having said that um the same the other side of that coin is that when you go to apply for a loan or specifically a mortgage those same tax documents may be used to calculate your income okay So that's why I'm here today to explain how we overcome some of those perceived hurdles. First of all, let me just say this. For the purposes of being self-employed, a self-employed person in the mortgage world now is defined as anybody who owns 25% or more of a corporation. Okay, Uh, An S corporation, a 1065, uh, so obviously a sole proprietorship. So if you own less than 25% ownership in a legal entity, you're not considered self-employed, even though you do have ownership, okay? So in that case, we're only going to use whatever it is you get paid from that corporation in the way of regular ordinary income in terms of W two wages, commissions, bonuses, salaries, okay? If you have ordinary losses passed through to a K-1, we will not consider those because you own less than 25%. Understood, okay? So we have to own 25% or more of a corporation we can self-employ. On the other hand, if you are a 1099 individual, let's say you're a nurse, you're a therapist, you're a, uh, you work at a nail salon, you are considered uh, self-employed as a 1099 individual. Okay. So those, I, I just wanted to clear that up first. The second thing I want to clear up is the following. You know, a lot of times I have people come to me and they say, um, you know, yes, I own the company, but I pay myself a salary. Why can't you just use the salary? Right. So when we look at self-employed individuals, we take the W2 earnings that you decide to pay yourself because you're setting your own salary. And then we take the ordinary income from the K ones and we put them all together in one bucket. So we don't care whether you call it salary or whether it flows through to the bottom line as K one, you know, we put them all in one bucket. We blend them together and that's where we start our analysis. So for example, if you pay yourself 200,000 a year, but you have $50,000 in, um, net, uh, K one loss for us, you start at one fifty, not the 200 salary. Okay. Mm. And then what we're allowed to do is thankfully we're allowed to add back certain things, right? So anything that is non-cash related, the like amortization depreciation, depletion, um, all of those section 179 depreciation, all of that stuff, we get to add back because they're not cash based. Absolutely. We're, yeah, we're looking for a cash based income calculation, not necessarily an accrual based. OK, so and if I'm getting too technical, please let me know, because, my <laughs> job, you know, my job is to have these individuals bring it to me and then let me do the hard work. But hopefully this is a good kind of high flyover. Uh, another thing is, you know, one of the things in order to get a mortgage, You qualify based on something called debt to income. That is basically uh, the numerator is all of your monthly debts off your credit report Mm -hmm. plus the new housing payment divided by your gross monthly income. If you are a self-employed person, a lot of times those car loans that are sitting on your credit report are paid for by the corporation. We get to add that back as well. So Mm -hmm. if there's things that are being written off through the corporation and the corporation has already taken the hit for it, we get to add those back to income as well. So there's a lot of different things. So the point being is I don't want people to get discouraged just because they necessarily think they don't show a you know a high enough K1 or W2 or too many expenses. There are different ways of looking at this that require a professional who understands you know the tax returns and understands entrepreneurship to go and actually do the calculation. Yeah. Now this is
0: a good one because if I may because this is this is key because I, I feel that most banker bank, banks that do mortgages or if you you know most em- entrepreneurs that go talk to uh, you know average mortgage uh, you know provider uh, they won't I don't know if they'll go through all of this or even explain why they will not use this or that.
2: Yeah they won't and most of it's because it's not that they't do want to they're just not educated on it um, and uh, especially if we go to a commercial bank, they're so busy with um, with business from their deposit base that if it requires any type of work and reconciliation, number one, they need the knowledge and number two, they need the time. You have to really roll up your sleeves. Uh, I've had files where I've had 10 different corporations on one particular file, you know, that's 10 different calculations, that's 10 reviews of, you know, business tax returns. And that's why it's important that you find yourself a lender who has that experience in self-employed individuals i tend to specialize in it because of my background in accounting and finance i went yeah master's degree in tax uh, i held the cpa license up until 2017 um so i understand that i, I really yeah. do i think that's
0: definitely
2: very unique david thank you i appreciate that um <laughs> the other thing is you know sometimes you know normally we take a two-year average in self-employed okay so normally you have to be in business for two years or more yes there I are, have heard okay? that. Yeah. yes yeah. there are some exceptions uh fha will allow one year as long as you have previous history in the same line of work okay so let's yes. say you go let's go back to that nail salon owner if you were a nail tech and then you decided you wanted to go out on your own and open up your own salon if you've got two years combined being a 1099 nail tech and then you're now an owner of an 1120 S for one year as being a nail tech, FHA will allow that as part of their two year continuance. Okay. Now, here's the really cool thing. If you have five years or more in business and you have a good enough credit score as determined by some software that is given to us by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, mm-hmm. a lot of times we only year, need one year's tax return. So typically it's a two-year average. Why is that important? Because everybody knows that the last couple of years have been challenging for some people during the pandemic, Absolutely. okay? So yes. if you have a certain credit score, uh, and, and typically it's like a 700 or above, mm-hmm. uh, and you've been in business for at least five years, there's a good chance when we run that one-year test term, let's say it's 2021, you're gonna get the result where we only, it's called a streamlined, Mortgage for a self-employed individual, there's a good chance we only need one year, so you can drop off the bad year of 2019 or the bad year of 2020 or whatever that year is. That's going to pull down the average. Okay, so a lot of yeah. people don't know that as well. So you'll hear ah. if if you hear from your lender, I only need one year return. It's because you've been in business for five years, you've got excellent credit, and that we can only go with the one year. Okay? We only have to go with the one year. Okay, that's good yeah, that's good to know. also ten ninety nine, Freddie Mac, and again, I, I'm getting a little technical, conventional loans are governed by Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And, and there's some differences. and Freddie Mac tends to be a little bit more gracious with self-employed individuals. Uh, if you're ten ninety nine there's a good chance I only need one year again, if you have the history of being in that business, okay? Mm-hmm. So those are that that is the world of what I'm gonna call traditional conventional mortgages, right? There's a lot of flexibility. You have to roll up your sleeves. You have to know what the detail is. You have to ask the question as to how much of this debt's already going through the 1120S or the 1065, right? But there's also now the new trend. It's, it's, it's not new, but it's come back around again. It's mm-hmm. what they call non-QM mortgages. What that means is they're non-standard, non-traditional mortgages. And the reason why I'm bringing this up in this podcast is because it's caught fire in the consumer world. I actually have people calling me up and asking me for certain programs. They don't necessarily know what it means, but they've heard about it. One is the bank statement loan, okay? So what that means is that uh, there are programs now for entrepreneurs, you must be self-employed. Again, you still must be self-employed for at least two years and they will check that. Okay, I had an individual who was only self-employed for one year and I could not do the bank statement loan. So what that means is we take your bank statements, whether it be personal or business, Mm -hmm. we add up the last 12 or 24 months business deposits we average them and we call that income understood okay if it's your personal return there is no expense factor applied against it if it's your business i'm sorry personal bank statements if it's your business bank statements we then ask your cpa or we use an industry average margin and expense factor to come up with the net income that's been a very popular thing because cash in the bank doesn't always necessarily equal the 1120s of the 1065 right. okay so, and then lastly you'll hear something called the dscr debt service coverage ratio uh that's really really popular now it's typically it has to be an investment property and basically we don't in our industry necessarily care about the income or the debt of the individual what we want to make sure of is the house is self-sustaining in terms of its cash flow debt service right. coverage ratio so if the if the rental income covers at least 100% of the housing payment, including principal interest taxes, insurance, and HOA, there's a good chance we can do the loan. So you can see that there's a lot of different programs out there. And my encouragement, those that are self-employed that have heard that it's tough to get a mortgage, it's not necessarily true. It's only tough if you don't go to the right individual. You've You've got to go to the people you got to go to the people, and this is a little bit of a plug. you got to go to the people that know self-employed business. That's really, Absolutely. really important.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. It, it, some of the things you said, it, it kind of applies to when they're trying to take even a business loan out. Because it happened to me uh, where actually I had to almost get into an argument after an hour or chat with a very well-known bank representative uh, trying to get a very small loan out for my business, and I had been a you know self-employed, and kind of a consultant on my own for like three years, and then now I have a firm, uh, I have a name, and uh, and I had provided the tax returns, that this person was just stuck on her checklist, and she's saying, "Well, no, it's not the same business." I'm like, "It's the same business."
2: Right, right, <laughs> and there's the a, and there's a continuity. Whether you're 1099, whether it doesn't matter. Says- if I have somebody who was Schedule C sole proprietor that went to a 1065 or an 1120S, that's still continuity of right. self-employment. I don't care how you filed your self-employment, it's self-employment. It so, is, it sure yeah, is. Correct.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, in my case was specifically it was still the same. It was a Schedule C on the 1040, all of them. <laughs> and this one was stuck on the name. On the name.
2: The and only one like, little caveat. Yeah, that's crazy. The only one caveat is I don't know why people would, and I'm sure they've met with their tax advisors, why they would have a regular 1120 C Corp, but let's just say they do, right? That there's a little bit of a footnote. If they have an 1120 C Corp, you obviously only get salary and any dividend that you get yourself. Right. That's right. gonna show up on schedule B. So I'm not allowed to take, there's no such thing as a K-1 so basically, Correct. if you're an 1120C, again, there must be a good reason—reason reason why you're an 1120C for double taxation. But you're going, <laughs> exactly. I, I see it. <laughs> Believe it or not, I do see it a couple times a week. Yeah. Your yeah. income on a mortgage application is only going to be whatever you pay yourself, and right. whatever the dividends are on Schedule B that you dividend yourself, like any other corporation. Yeah. Okay. So any questions? I know that's a lot. I know it gets—it can get really—I can geek out on this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> It's highly technical, um, yeah. but it's, it's highly doable as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, Peter, do you have any questions? Yeah.
2: No, I was going to ask you, uh, uh,
1: David, and I know you and I have had conversations in the past. One, in in, in summary, I mean, if we can kind of recap of this on the how can a self-employed make himself or herself more attractive to a mortgage broker That's let's say like one. yourself let's say i'm coming to you now what are the a kind of bullet point very you know minimum in pedro you need to make sure of this this and this and this i mean to make myself more attractive to make myself uh, you know that increase my chances
2: right Right. But well, that's a great question. Half of that is a regular standard answer, regardless of whether they're self-employed or not. And that is obviously the better the credit, the more attractive you are. Right. Okay. So You got to pay your bills on time and don't overextend yourself. Number one. But as it pertains to self-employed individuals, you've got to meet with your tax professionals, your CPAs like yourselves. If you know that you're going to be doing life events like buying a house, which is a, a large life event for mo- most people. Uh, you know i highly encourage that you meet with your cpa like yourselves and tell them that this is something i plan on doing this year you know because yes we we want to minimize our tax liability but at the same time the other side of that coin is we want to maximize our our usable income or allowable income for purposes of mortgages and there are also um other ways of minimizing your tax liability through accelerated depreciation to get added back on the mortgage application so that has a net negative effect, a net neutral effect on a mortgage application, you know, no two expenses are necessarily alike on a mortgage application. A section 179 or a uh, depreci- any other type of accelerated depreciation is not the same as taking, you know, dry cleaning and selling their phone bills correct, correct. on a mortgage application. That's number one, um, you know, i would say other than that you know you want to make sure obviously you've got the the down payment and the cash to close you want to make sure that you've been in business for again two years or more is typically the barometer again there are some slight exceptions for one year especially been in the same line of work but if i've got somebody who has a you know a, a 620 or higher credit score obviously the higher the better i've got somebody who has two years or more in business who's got you know, all their documents in order that's working with a CPA that can get me that information quickly so I can do the reconciliations, that's going to make my life a lot easier to do those calculations for self employed individuals. Okay,
1: that's, no, that's pretty good. Okay,
2: but again, you can achieve tax minimization through different strategies that have Correct. less of a negative impact on a mortgage application than others.
1: Correct. And and that has been uh, like you know we had talked about in the past is like uh, the the trying to maximize your your tax uh, uh, you know deductions. But again, if you're gonna go into specifically, if you're informed, listen, I'm gonna be applying for a mortgage. Which of the strategies are gonna be applied? You can still achieve uh, the tax uh, maximization and still qualify for a mortgage if it's done correctly. Like you said, maximizing maybe your section 179 bonus depreciation because you guys are going to add those back. Right. So the net effect, like you said, it it kind of offsets instead of less expense or increase our, you know, uh, shift the the expenses in other areas, which actually will have a negative impact. So, no, that makes it makes a lot of sense. For example, home office
2: depreciation, home office um, deductions. There, those are things that we can add back for a mortgage application. If you're actually using your car in your business and you're not writing it off, but yet you're writing off your cellular phone bill, I can't add back your cellular phone bill. But if you have a car expense, a lease, or a, 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 an auto loan, and it's and you've got 12 months worth of history that's being paid out of the business, I can add that back. So it's those little things that that make a big difference sometimes. Very good. Very good.
1: Now, do you have any, any uh, uh, what you have seen and uh, kind of uh, horror stories of uh, things that you see coming through? Yeah, I know you and I have talked like, about I don't know to what extent you can disclose, but I know that. that yeah, I uh, can
2: uh, tell. <laughs> things things um, I
1: imagine that you have seen. I know that Maria that, and I, we yeah. talk about things that we see, especially when we take over. Yeah. Another, the whole know, show and, is
0: about war right. stories, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, because I, mean, I know that it could be educational too, because, you know, if if I'm coming in to you, and let's say I have the great credit score, I have the two years and plus, but I know one area in particular that I know that you and I have talked about, Marie is, like, you know, when you bring those financials and the financials, like, <laughs> what, is, what is this?
2: Well, I mean, the two things that come to mind right at the top of the head are number one is, you know, there are a lot of people that think that because they set their own salary and they own the business Mm -hmm. you know they're like what do you mean i make two hundred thousand dollars a year forget about the two hundred thousand dollar loss i have my k1 i make two hundred thousand dollars a year that's my salary and i have to say but who sets that salary and then and they say well i do and i said right so that's why you know it doesn't matter you could pay yourself as much as you want a w-2 salary when you're self-employed we're going to take that and plus or minus your actual net income and start from there, or net loss. So number, so number one, that's probably the most popular one when people fill out an application on, 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 a, um, on a self-employed individual is they, they put their salary and they think that no matter how high that salary is, they should get a- approved regardless of the health and strength of the profit and loss statement. The second one that I see, and, it's, and this is probably, go- I, I know this is gonna be a dwindling effect, but obviously during the pandemic, they had all kinds of SBA money that was going on um whether it be the PPP or the EIDL disaster loans and uh that created um cash flow to people's business accounts and in some cases personal accounts and there were uh, plenty of self-employed people that thought that a you could use it to buy a house and that's not necessarily true you can't um there are rare instances where if you were uh, if you were buying an office building you could use it right Uh, but that was very rare that I would see that but most importantly a lot of people were booking it as income so, um, you know, just because you get a $100,000 PPP loan, doesn't mean that that means $100,000 worth of income. It's a, it's a balance sheet event, it's not a profit loss event, right? So, um, we had a lot of people coming to us with, you know, money in their hands from the, from the SBA, wanted to use that for down payment or closing costs, but we had to say no, and or booking it on their profit loss statement as income and wanting that to go onto the income averages, so those are kind of like the two things that I would see. I would say were probably the most popular kind of full pause the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> People, yeah. I, 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 I'm sure you you've had some laughs on your you know at, at your office when yeah. you see these right. kind
2: of tricks trying to be played. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and some are you know intentional, and some are really just misunderstood. You know, like cancellation yeah. of debt income. You know, obviously. You know, a lot of the PPP loans are most of them are being forgiven if done right by their CPAs or for themselves. Absolutely. You know, that's not an income mortgage event cancellation of debt. You know, that's a one time extraordinary thing. So, you know, right. it is I chuckle inside sometimes when I see it, you know, but I my job <laughs> is to really be I try again. I try to be that consultant to them and explain to them. And there are many times where I have to get their CPA on the phone because right. we use that term lightly, by the way, the CPA. Let's let's talk about that. So. I've seen everything from a retail strip center store shop that says they do accounting and tax, you know, call themselves tax professionals uh-huh. all the way to nothing against them. Love enrolled agents. Right. But there's but there's nothing you can definitely see a difference mm-hmm. when I'm talking to self-employed individuals between a licensed CPA with credentials and education versus the other end of the you know, a bookkeeping company. So yes. there are plenty of times where I have to pull people in their, you know, their advisors into the conversation to say, hey, look, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you made a mistake on Schedule E and we've got to fix it. So I do see that, you know, once or twice a month as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. So. But thank, thank you for saying that, because this yeah. is something that Pedro and I talk about quite a lot, because there's just so many out there sometimes. Yeah. But then, you know, we are in a position to do great work, quality work, very ethical, high ethical work. And you know you get these you know random questions sometimes like well that person is doing it at a quarter of the price well uh, well do you know what they're
2: gonna do for you? Exactly. I never understood why somebody would entrust their 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 financial situation to a bookkeeping service. Look, if you want to do monthly write-up work, that's fine. But eventually have a CPA every year that looks at it and reviews it. Right, that's one thing.
0: Absolutely. But
2: right, but if you're taking your you know, your tax returns every year and doing your tax strategy planning with somebody that has no credentials, that there's no barrier to entry, which I think is criminal. Um, you're going to end up in a bad situation at some point.
0: Yes, absolutely. So thank thank you for sharing that,
2: David. Of course I see it all the time. (laughs) All the time. And lastly, I want to say to my lending community, stop asking for CPA comfort letters. We're not supposed to be doing that exactly so, yeah so this yeah. From my lending that? yeah this is for my lending community it's against your e and o insurance it's against the AICPA. lenders cannot ask for comfort letters from cpas you cannot ask the cpa to determine the likelihood of continuance of a business concern exactly. because they're taking fifty thousand out of their business account to use for a house I'm it says it right there in glad, the guidelines. I'm glad that you brought that up. It says it right yeah, there in the I guidelines. Stop asking for those letters. Yes, we have our Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac says it's the lender's responsibility to determine liquidity, and we exactly very, that's we have very specific calculations for that. So I apologize on behalf of the lending community if you get that request from. It won't come from us, but if it comes to other lenders, you should tell them. Obviously, it, you're not you're not supposed to be writing comfort letters. Thank you. Thank you
0: for saying that. Thank you. This is awesome. Awesome.
2: Yes. (laughs) Know that you have an advocate, former CPA, masters in accounting and tax on your side in the lending community and me. Okay.
0: This is awesome. This has been such, such great information, David. This is uh, invaluable. Truly. It's, it's been such pleasure having you here.
2: It's been a wonderful time. I appreciate the opportunity to speak on subjects that I really truly love. Okay. So thank awesome. you, Marie. Thank you, Pedro. I want to make thank sure you. that
0: I bring up your um, your uh, information here and I'm going to just read it out uh, just to make sure that in our audio version, you know, those who are listening can actually catch it as well. So, guys, of you, those of you who are listening uh, to the podcast, uh, make sure if you'd like to reach out to David, you can call 954-448-6153. That number is 954-448-6153. You can also email David, and that is David, D-A-V-I-D, dot, share, S-H-E-I-R, at movement.com. That's David.share at movement.com.
2: Thank you again. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, awesome. Yes, That was very good.
0: This was really, really cool. Thank you so much for this information. I'll come back me,
2: okay? Just let me know. Yeah. Yes, you will love that. Thank
0: you, thank you so much. Um, okay, so uh, we are at the top of the hour, so we are gonna, uh, you know, uh, just just wanted to make sure if there were any comments or, or in the chat or any notes here that I can read out. Um, we have uh, from, well, one of our viewers is from the FICPA, actually one of my chapter uh, colleagues and. Uh, David, you are invited to 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 present one of these days at our chapter.
2: There you go, <laughs> so, David. <laughs> I would love it. You want, just let me know. Just I'll bring the
0: contact information to yes. to my to my colleague, um, and uh, and he says great topic, and this is such invaluable information. Um, Excellent, but too short. It's okay. We'll come back with more information. Yeah. This is a 30-minute segment because yeah. we want to be cognizant of everybody's time. You know, everybody's, you know, busy. A 30-minute segment is doable for anyone that's on the go. Um, and, of course, we want to be cognizant of everybody's time that's committed here to speak to us. You have work to do. So uh, with that, you know, thank you, uh, everyone, for, for watching us or listening to us. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, and, of course, we. I always leave you guys with... Uh, the the quote from motivational speaker Jim Ron. you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I hope that we are the today, we are the three people you spend your time with. Uh, and with that, we wish you all a wonderful rest of your week. And until then, we'll see you next week, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time.
2: Thank see you. Bye bye.